Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Okay, so this morning I'm reading from 1 Samuel 2, verses 1 to 10. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord, but there is one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly, or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honour. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mitch. I'll just pray for you, Mitch, as you come up. Father God, we just uh, thank you for Mitch this morning as he delivers and unpacks uh, this word. Lord, uh, may you just give him the wisdom, Lord, as he delivers your words from your book. In Jesus' name. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. We're a little bit short of young adults today. They're all on retreat, so I'm missing like this corner here. And you may have noticed here there is, what is this? What do you think this is representing? A throne. Our creative team did a really good job on this. We are exploring the books of 1 and 2 Samuel. And I was going to say keep your Bibles open, but I should say Turn on your YouVersion app and kind of keep a finger on 1 Samuel chapter 1 because we're going to be looking at that and 1 Samuel chapter 2. The book of 1 and 2 Samuel was originally just one book. When the translators of the Hebrew Old Testament to the Greek, it was too long, so they split it in half. But originally Samuel was one book. And in the original um, Hebrew Bible, 
there wasn't, yeah, we go Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Then 1 Samuel, the original Hebrew Bible, there was no Ruth. Ruth came later. So what you're supposed to do is you're meant to read Judges, which is a horrific book if you have read Judges. Has anyone here read Judges? It's pretty horrific. And the, the final verse in Judges has these haunting words. It says, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Now, what's the problem that Judges identifies? I'll read that again. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. What's the issue? Judges says. No leader, no king. Okay, and then the very next sentence you read in the original version says, There was a certain man from Ramathiam, a Zophite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zufa, an Ephraimite. He had two wives, one called Hannah and the other Paniah. Paniah had children, but Hannah had none. Now, what the what end of Judges and the beginning of Samuel is setting up, this is how this transformation is going to happen. This is how Israel goes from having no king and everyone doing whatever they feel like to a king being put in place. Now, if you listen there, we get this long description of Elkanah. And, you know, he has this really, I guess, vast and prestigious genealogy going back so far. But he has an issue, doesn't he? He has two wives, Paniah. And what's the issue with Hannah? What did, what did the Bible say? She had no children. Now, haven't we heard that before? Who else has been barren? Yeah, Sarah. Yeah, and there's also um, Samson's mom. It, it's a theme that comes throughout Scripture. When you have a barren woman, God is going to do something unique. He's going to speak into history. He's going to transform society. And if you're not familiar with the text, but what happens here is that each year, Elkanah and his two wives and his children go up to a place called Shiloh. This is before the Jerusalem temple. And there they would offer sacrifices each year. And we're told here that Elkanah would give portions of meat for the sacrifice to Paniah and to all her sons and daughter. To Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. And Paniah, she keeps on provoking her rival. It's a well-known fact. I think it's difficult having one wife. Imagine having two. <laughs> Imagine that. And, and there's heaps of evidence from like modern 20th century practices because there are a number of Arabic like, villages that live like this. They'll get a second wife because in the ancient world, if your wife was barren, there's no IVF. There's, there's no way you can visit a doctor to become pregnant. So Hannah is the favoured, loved wife. Paniah is essentially just a baby-producing factory. And so Paniah there, she, she has a status, which Hannah doesn't. And we probably can't really comprehend this, just in the ancient world, how shameful barrenness was. 
Just the shame of that. So Hannah carries this shame, which is why Elkanah gives her this double portion of sacrifice. Trying to say to her, I love you. And in fact, when, when Paniah um, makes her so upset, Elkanah says something that's quite silly. As a husband, he says, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? He's trying to say, hey, I should be all you need. But for Hannah, that's not enough. Because as a woman at that time and place, your identity was wrapped up in the ability to have children. If Elkanah had not married Paniah, that, that long genealogy that, that Samuel sets us up, that would have stopped. That's why he took on Paniah, in order to keep his family line going. So here we have tension. Here we have this barren woman, Hannah, who in the eyes of society is shamed. Her rival lets her know how useless she is. For her, life could not be any worse. Despite Elkanah saying, hey, aren't I worth to you more than ten sons? For Hannah, this is an absolute travesty. For Hannah, she knows the solution to her problem. And we're told here in 1 Samuel chapter 1 from verse 9, when the family finished eating and drinking, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you'll only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I'll give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will be ever used on his head. Hannah makes this bold declaration. Very, very bold. Saying, just give me a son. He's going to be dedicated to you. It's going to be what is called a Nazarite. Now, my hair is not shaved, but it's kept very short. A Nazarite would never, ever let a razor go to his head. Never, ever touch a dead body. Never drink a drop of alcohol. Nazarite was someone who was completely and wholly dedicated to the Lord. Now, as Hannah is praying, we introduce to a character, a man named Eli. Now, Eli has two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. They are the big dogs. These are the high priests of Israel. And in Israelite society, the, the priests, they hold supreme status. Now, if you remember at the end of Judges, we say, hey, Israel had no king. Now, here there's little hints in the text here. As, as Hannah is praying, Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost. Meant to be this little illusion here that Eli's kind of acting as a king. And we have well, only 10 minutes left for me to preach this morning, so we won't get time to to talk about it, but if you listen to the podcast, we'll unpack this a bit more, how Samuel picks up these themes of replacing corrupt rulers with someone different. There's replacements, and we'll see it with Eli and his sons, then you get King Saul, then you get King David. So it's a theme here, this, this toppling of corrupt rulers. 
And at this moment here where, where Hannah is praying, she's praying with her heart and then just pouring her soul out so much, she's praying and her lips were moving, but nothing was heard. And Eli thinks that she is drunk. He says to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. And it says, not so, my Lord. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have, I have been praying here out of my great anguish. Eli answers, go in peace. And may the Lord God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. And what happens? Hannah goes home. Oops. Hannah and Elkanah. Hannah falls pregnant. And then Hannah sings this song. And that's the song that Morris read out for us. Here's a little hint if you're reading biblical narrative. Whenever there's a song, particularly at the beginning or the end of a book, songs are hinting the themes that are coming up. And the theme of Hannah's song broadly is that the lofty will be brought low, while the humble will be raised. And Hannah here, she is singing about her rival, she talks here in her song, I'll pick up, she see, it says here, she who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has many sons pines away. Here Hannah takes this rivalry that she has with Paniah and puts it into this song. In a way, Hannah's barrenness and Paniah's fruitfulness kind of comes like a bit of a cosmic battle. Hannah, the shamed, barren woman, in a sense, represents the state of Israel. Hannah's name means favoured. Right now, she isn't overly favoured. She hasn't got children. In a sense, this is where the nation of Israel is at. Where everyone is doing whatever they see is fit with no king. Israel, the, the nation that's supposed to be highly favoured, is not that. And so Hannah, in this song, is recognising that her barrenness, it has purpose. Being shamed by her rival wife day in, day out, just feeling distraught and depressed, has a deeper significance than what's there on the surface. And a song there is just this song of praise to the Lord of how he's going to reverse situations. That's going to come up with Eli and Hophni and Phineas. Now, the point of preaching through Samuel is for us to reflect upon Christmas. Now, it's 78 days to go. And for some of you, that's like, oh my goodness, how am I going to get all the food, the shopping, and all the stuff I need to get done? And that's kind of what can happen with Christmas. We fail to focus on what is important, which is Jesus. And Jesus said after he was resurrected to those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, he's like, hey, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, they were written all about me. As I hear in Samuel, Samuel is setting up these themes which point to Jesus. We're already identified the fundamental issue with Israel at this time. There's no king. And so what's going to have to happen? There needs to come a king, a king that will transform Israel completely. 
in order to do that, the barren woman needs to give birth to an unusual son. Now, Hannah's song is actually picked up later by Mary. And if we can have the slide there for Mary's song. With Mary there, we see Mary's song is very, very similar to what Hannah's song. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to all who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. That's something similar to what Hannah was saying, wasn't she? The proud being brought low, the humble lifted. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And just as Hannah's song sets up the themes of Samuel of the proud being brought low and the lowly raised up of God bringing transformation to society, so Mary's song does something similar. Because she doesn't need to give birth to a son who is merely a Nazarite and a prophet and a priest. She gives birth to the Son of God, the one who is king over all the world. That's why Samuel's so important. We just see so many themes of Jesus coming through. And such a powerful book to see how God works in a society which, if you'd read the last chapter of Judges, Israelites are killing each other. It's a civil war. Everyone is doing whatever they see right. And God doesn't bring change by bringing some powerful ruler to wipe out evil. He starts with a humble, barren woman who is being mocked and teased by her rival wife. There's another thing about the Bible. God transforms the world by the things that we think are lowly that are not powerful. Hannah does suffer shame, but her shame has a purpose. And friends, today, it's a challenging passage. I know there are some couples here that are struggling with having children and can read something like Hannah's, Hannah's prayer and think, oh, maybe if I just offer a vow to God and he'll give me the child I want. Or perhaps it isn't barrenness you're struggling, but some other prayer that you just feel like you're pouring your heart out to time after time and weeping. It's like, oh, maybe I just need to do a vow. And what's also challenging is that every barren woman in the Old Testament eventually has a child. And that's not really the takeaway from this passage. Um, there's a theologian called David Jensen. And he says here, he says, millions of prayers like Hannah's have been uttered across the ages. Many have been more fervent and countless prayers like it have gone unanswered, at least in the kind of resolution that Hannah experiences. There's no, um, what this isn't is not a model for us. For, what is, it isn't a model for us to think that this is how prayers are answered. 
What are Israel's is pointing to a sign that eventually God will put a king who will rule and reign. That he will answer all our unanswered prayers. Maybe not in this lifetime, but in another. Hannah is a representative of Israel, of her barrenness. And friends, today, if you're wrestling with that notion of unanswered prayer, remember too, Jesus Christ himself experienced unanswered prayer. What we're meant to do with Hannah and her prayer is see her as that type of Israel. Yeah, okay, Israel right now is barren, it's infertile, people are doing whatever they want, but God brought transformation through something unexpected. And God has brought transformation to this cosmos through something unexpected. What you can take away is that your pain and your tears, they do have a purpose. God hasn't forgotten what you are going through. Yeah, Hannah, I've said this so many times, Hannah was just, as a barren woman in the ancient world, just had so much shame about her. I don't think it's something that we can truly comprehend here as Aussies living in the 21st century. Each of us know what pain that we carry feels like. And so for us, perhaps, while that prayer may not be answered, remember this, Hannah's song promises, God will make the proud low and he will lift up the humble. What did Jesus say? Who does the kingdom of heaven belong to? Is it the strong and powerful? Who is it? That's the point of all this. We're going to take this away. That when we read through Hannah's song, where we sing it, and we read through Mary's song, we're singing as an act of faith that God's going to do something. God's going to transform this world in a powerful, unexpected way. And he did it through Hannah, he did it through Mary, and he's done it through Jesus. And these are signposts to the greater acts that God is going to do. To reflect upon Christmas, may we take that posture of being meek and humble, to recognize that even if we are living in shame and barrenness and the challenge of having unanswered prayer, that God will do something. Perhaps he will answer your prayer. Perhaps you give him a vow and he'll answer it. Perhaps not. But the point is, is that there is a king sitting on that throne. And friends, that is the good news, what Jesus has to offer for us. Would you please join me as we just pray together now? Lord, we give you thanks for the book of 1 Samuel and just these passages here of how you transformed Israel's society through a barren woman, a woman who just carried around so much shame, yet, Lord, you used her to give birth to Samuel someone who was pivotal in changing Israel's society. Hannah points forward to Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, who transforms this world around us. And today, Lord, I pray that if we are sitting like Hannah with deep anguish, to recognize that perhaps even if our prayers are not answered, 
to know that you will bring transformation. You will humble the proud and lift up the lowly. For as Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, the kingdom of heaven belongs to the meek and to the mild and to the humble. So as we reflect upon Christmas, what it means to worship you as the God-man, may Lord, we just sit in that posture of knowing you are going to transform this world by unexpected ways. I pray that you just bring us the comfort and the joy of knowing this. We ask this in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.